we wake up every day, do exactly what we want to do, put it on the internet for sale, and enough people want exactly what we happened to want to make that they buy it and the business is sustainable. How could life ever be better than that? I noticed today that the Tailwind CSS Twitter account has almost as many Twitter followers as me. Like it's 600 less. It's over, it's like 154,000 and I'm at like 155,000, but it gets way less engagement than my Twitter. And I never tweet anything from it basically ever, even Tailwind announcements I tweet from my personal Twitter account. And yet somehow that account is growing faster than my personal account. And it's not like it's in Twitter as like a brand account or anything that I feel like would influence how it's being discovered or anything like that. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm kind of curious about the mechanics of why a brand account that no one cares to interact with that doesn't tweet gets followed more rapidly than my personal account. People care more about Tailwind than you. But then they don't engage with the tweets that get put out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're there for the news. It's a news feed, basically. They're yeah. like, I want to keep rough tabs on this project that I use. And so like, if some security vulnerability comes out or some major new feature. Sure. But you are more interesting. Like, You're a more interesting follow overall. But this, like this, the pitch, like the yeah. value prop for like the Tailwind CSS the, Twitter the account is just very clear. content. Yeah. It's funny because obvious. even like Tailwind announcements, I tweet from my personal account and then retweet them from the Tailwind account. I don't even tweet them as like... <laughs> first-hand tweets from the Tailwind account. But I've actually had it as like a long-term goal for the Tailwind account to sort of surpass me. Yeah, I agree. Your child. So we're, we're kind of getting there. So that's cool. Nice. So that how's it going, cool. dude? It's going well. I'm, I'm stoked to be talking to you. It's fun. We got some bullets here I want to go through and talk about our lessons learned. Yeah, I think that'd be good. For 2022. 2022-ish. Really, like, since the last time we did a Lessons Learned podcast, and since this is the first one, we get a little bit of leeway there. I agree. I'm, I'm going to start. Sure. So this is this is number one for me, like, by a big margin from this last year, was you have to set priorities. Like, you have to have some top-down direction in a company. Mm -hmm. So I think I leaned a bit too far in the past into this idea of hiring great people and then mostly expecting that they would kind of figure out what to work on. Sure. And I, I don't think that's totally wrong. Like my point is not like you should never do that or like none of that is correct. But I was too much in the hands-off phase. And I think I also just failed to update to the reality that like 10 people in a company need a bit more structure than a handful of people in a company. And I don't know quite when we crossed that thing but we hit a point where it was like, no longer can we like efficiently as a group decide what to work on and then be putting out our effort in the same direction and like juggling these different priorities. I think it hurt us. It slowed us down. Can you give a concrete example of what things were like, you know, the before and what was bad yeah. and what the bad outcomes were and then what you changed and how things are now and what you think is better about it? Yes. So before th there was no time where it was like oh when do we decide what we're doing next mm -hmm. the answer to that was just like oh we just continuously kind of update here and there and so that was like that would fall victim to me getting excited about something and being like oh my gosh we have to do this and like some of that's kind of good actually sometimes it's nice to just like have somebody come in and be like this is a this is an idea we want to do it and like you know and make take action on it and do you mean the negative but, consequence of that though was that like pause whatever you're 
doing right now and leaves a bunch of stuff in an unfinished state so you can sort of chase Ben's shiny object. Totally. And then Ben will like, get less excited about his shiny object in not very long. And so it could be that, <laughs> that thing also then gets re- like paused for the next whatever thing. Yeah. So and then you just end up with a bunch of unfinished stuff. A bunch of unfinished stuff. Yeah. And often things that maybe are not thought through that well. Like, okay. why is this the important thing to do now? Like, does this really support, like, what, a, like, is there a broader goal that we're thinking about here? Like, like what, how does this fit into a sort of a larger strategy? Mm-hmm. It's disruptive to people. It tended to lead to things not really getting pushed all the way through. It also was really bad. I think a, a warning sign that I sort of didn't quite pay enough attention to was that people would say something like, like, Tuple employees would be like, when can I, like, make a pitch that we should work on this thing next? Yeah. And I was just like, I don't know, just like, what do you, what do you want to do? Like, what's the thing? And like, it was just, there was no process for being like, hey, there's a problem or hey, there's an opportunity. We got it. We should build this thing. And there was just no meeting. There was no time. There was no plan. It was just like, throw it out. And if it happens to get enough traction, then maybe it could get worked on. But otherwise, good luck. Interesting. So what's changed now? So now we've started doing shape up from Basecamp. Yeah. And like all signals now. Yeah, from 37 signals. That's right. I think like all like processes like that, like we're we're starting to like tweak it for our own needs. Like we're doing some of it but not all of it. But yeah. I would say the most important it, it almost feels like it doesn't really matter that we're doing shape up. What matters is that we now have a cadence where it's like okay, every 2 months we're going to have a process where we decide what to do next. Mm-hmm. And the last two times, last two cycles, I've sent an email to the team and been like, what should we build next? And I send a tweet and say to our, to like our customers and say like, what should we build next? And go through this like information gathering phase, throw all these things in a doc and then sort them and just like do a pass of like, okay, what do I think is is important? What, what does fit into like that slightly broader vision of things? And then like, even when we don't build a thing that someone throws out, they've had a chance to like, at least have that thing fight for the right to get built sure so that's been a big win just just literally even if you didn't like shape up or not just some sort of process where that happens i think is like super useful that was a game changer for us too for similar and different reasons i think the big thing that helped me when we switched to doing like shape up with a cadence was that prior to that i was just like deciding what to work on we work on it till it's done deciding the next thing to work on work on until it's done And the biggest problem was that a lot of them were small projects. They were like one-week projects or two-week projects. And it just meant constantly having to switch gears into planning mode all the time. And it felt like I only had like a day to figure out what to put together for the team next, which meant Mm -hmm. me kind of picking easy projects that didn't require like a lot of deep planning to get right. And then big, important things kept getting pushed further out and further out and further out sort of accidentally but by saying like okay i need to decide what we're going to do for the next two months and i know that if i don't put it in these two months that it's not going to make it in until the next two months and the next two months is actually the next quarter and am i comfortable with this important thing not getting worked on until then it just provides a lot of clarity around like what you're actually doing as a company and, and helps you sort of judge your own decisions and, and sort of just like recognize what you're setting up the company to accomplish w- with a lot more just obvious visibility than what I was getting by just sort of like leaping from like lily pad to lily pad constantly like I was before. And the the flip side I think is important too, which is that most of the time you're not deciding what to work on next, which is super freeing. The week after we started our like first formal shape up cycle, 
my co-founder Spencer sends me an email saying like, this is one of the best weeks I've had in Tuple in a long time. And, and like, like for the following reasons, the first one was just like, I know that every engineer is working on a productive thing and I don't have to like check in with them or like make a decision. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, what's being worked on. You can just work on it. That was a huge thing for me too. Just sort of knowing that my decision-making is batched, you know, like the planning stuff is batched together. And when you're not planning, it's not because you're failing to plan. It's because the planning's done. And that is like a, a really wonderful feeling. I yeah. will chime in here with one of my lessons learned from 2022 that actually relates to this one that I'd be interested to get your take on, which yeah. is that I feel like I learned that it's important not to allocate every single person to a project at all times. This has been a pain point right now. Like we, this is the thing I like, we have just been talking about recently of like, Oh man, one failure of this last cycle is is this interesting. So yeah, yeah, I'll be curious to hear specifically where you think that's falling apart, but I can say from my perspective, what happens is sometimes there are shiny objects that come up and some of them you don't need to work on, but some of them are just like opportunities where it's like, there's this thing that we could do right now. That would be really great if we took advantage of it. Or there's this like thing that outside force that we have no control over dumped on our plate. And I would like to be able to deal with this without throwing off the whole plan for everything else that we've got going on. And I'd made this mistake in the past of sort of making sure everyone at the company had something to do and knew exactly what they were doing at all times and feeling like that was like the right way to set things up because everyone had clarity. No one was sort of sitting on their hands. No one was sort of like feeling like they didn't have anything important to do or whatever. I think there's still like a delicate balance there and and it's tricky, but I've been trying harder lately to just plan fewer things in a cycle and make sure that they're really important things and learn to be okay with the fact that maybe like this project that's going to take the first four weeks of the cycle only really needs these three or four people and that the other people at the company aren't on that stuff and just trusting that stuff is going to land on my plate that is going to be perfect for those people to work on during that time because that is what happens every day something appears that you want to do and it can be a little anxiety inducing to like not know what it is ahead of time because you feel like this person's not going to have something to do but you just have to trust that there will be something that appears that that person could do so it's been important for me to learn how to balance like okay make sure we're deliberate about the things we really want to prioritize and make sure there's resources allocated to those so it actually gets done but make sure we're not like filling things like so tight to the point that really good ideas come up and we feel like we have to fuck up the whole plan to be able to yep. to address them. Totally. Yeah. I had two like good opportunities kind of drop into my inbox during the cycle. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I have nobody that can really do this right now. And it like, it kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. Like it was like the CEO of a different company being like, Hey, like we want to like integrate with tuple in this way that is useful. Like I think that I would, I would like to support in the world. Yeah. Like, do you have an API endpoint that would let us do this thing? And like, it's not a very complicated endpoint, but like yeah. we don't have it. And I'm like, who am I going to pull off something to go do yeah. this? And like, if you don't do it for not, five more weeks, like that energy that was coming from that totally. other company where they were like willing to do that this week might just be gone. And that opportunity disappears. And it probably is. Sucks. Yeah. I'll give like a, a bit of a pitch here for Tuple in a way that's kind of related to this is I was really stressed about this idea of like not allocating people to things because feedback that I've gotten from our team throughout running the company is people just really like knowing what they're expected to be doing. It just gives people so much more confidence in what they're doing and that like 
what they're doing is delivering value and that people are happy with what they're doing. Even people who like, like having a lot of autonomy just feel better when they know what they're doing. And when I put myself in those people's shoes, I totally understand it. Because when I worked at other companies, like I run a company now. So of course, like imagine I'm this person who craves autonomy and like decision-making power and stuff like that. But when I worked at other companies, I always wanted to know what people wanted me to do. You know, so you can be both those things at the same time, but not allocating people to things was stressful to me, even though I knew something was going to show up for that person to do at all times, like just not even being able to tell them in advance, this is something you can do this day. So what has helped me a lot in that regard is to just default to pairing on things. Like there's mm. always some programming task that someone is assigned that is important. If on the off chance that you just don't have something to do, even though I know something is going to show up for this person to do, just have it in your head that you'll just like hang out with this person and pair on this thing. Because I believe so strongly in the value of pairing. Like we don't really do a lot of code review here because we do a lot of pairing already. I'd rather have three people on a call than two people on a call and one person like not really knowing what to do. Like there's so much benefit to just having more people thinking about a problem and making sure that the implementation is high quality and stuff like that. So yeah, we're on tuple like all day, every day at our company. So that, that's been my brain hack to like be comfortable with not yeah. allocating people to things is like, if anyone's allocated to anything, you can always just like shadow that person on that thing and provide some value there. Totally. Yeah. I, ironically, this did not occur to me and I scheduled a project for everyone on the team which effectively leaves no ability for people to pair on things, <laughs> which is ridiculous. So like, I would say probably 90% maybe of code at Tuple is paired on. Yeah. So it's firmly baked into our culture. And then when we started standardizing things, like this just like didn't click. That, you like, started I was, seeing like, like people as like, rows in a spreadsheet and like needing to like, yeah. fill Absolutely. the cells. Yeah. It's basically. like, what, what's everyone going to do? I need an answer mm-hmm. for every person. And then it was like, oh, wait, this is... No, hold on. So I think next cycle, I'm probably going to sign roughly like half as many projects. Yeah. Or like, you know, at least like leave a chunk, like leave people explicitly available. Uh-huh. Like, and, and in fact, like co-founder Joel has like switching his role to like dedicated pairing partner. Yeah. Like that is I think new, that's great like, because... Title basically. Because then if an opportunity shows up that you really just have to take on, you can decide to make the trade off of, okay, we'll let person, whoever work on that project by themselves instead of it being paired on like it normally would knowing that it's a trade-off because we know like we think things turn out better when people pair on things but right now it's more important to be able to like work on one other thing at the same time for three days joel can like bang out this api endpoint take advantage of that opportunity and then like go back to pairing you know yep just to close out my my original bullet point about setting priorities Mm -hmm. i heard a great point from patrick collison which is that technology has changed like has changed a lot over time but people like companies are made, are made of people and people have not changed that much and so you wouldn't use the same tech tools that a company 30 years ago was using that wouldn't make sense yeah but using the same management techniques actually does make sense like these ideas can get discovered and honed and then like you don't really need to like throw them out because people psycho- psych- psychologically are, are more or less the same as they used to be. What do you feel like you were 
defaulting to throwing out that you're realizing you shouldn't be throwing out specifically basically like top-down management i was like we're a cool startup i'm a hip chaos loving yeah. founder i don't sure, need to like yeah, yeah. have a planning meeting i don't need to like put a google doc out that says everyone you should do these things like mm-hmm. we'll just all figure it out and good stuff is going to happen yeah um, i agree yeah. it's your job to like set direction and that's definitely something that I've learned is that saying this out loud, people will like their gut reaction will be to disagree with it, but I don't think it's true. Love it. People like being told what to do, I think. And that sounds like bad. If some, if you tell that to someone, they'll be like, I don't like being fucking told what to do. But in the sense that you like to have clear expectations of what's expected of you, people do like that. They want to know that the actions that they're taking are aligned with like what's expected of them. And someone needs to Mm -hmm. sort of set those expectations and set that direction. And I think you can totally do it in a way that doesn't feel like it's like robbing people of autonomy or anything. And just like makes people feel more confident in their jobs. Yeah. I think especially when the thing you're telling them is a broad goal or is it not a fully fleshed out thing? Totally. I would like you to like solve this problem for the business mm-hmm. is giving someone instruction, telling them what to do, but you don't have to like necessarily like, spell out every detail. And then that gives them that flexibility to yeah. like, work within those constraints. Exactly. Like you hire people because they have expertise and you trust them to be able to do things incredibly well, but they still need to know like where they should be applying those skills, you know? Yeah. Um, yep. I have another lesson that proceeds nicely from here, which was a bit of a surprise to me, which is that delegating something to someone and having it not go that well, it can still be a success. Okay. So I was considering, as we were planning out the cycle and people were submitting ideas for things to do, I asked some people to like basically come up with their own solutions to it. Where it was like, I propose we do X. Like, I want, let's solve problem X. And also, and I was like, okay, what's, what, what should this look like? You write the shaped pitch for this, what we're going to do here. And for a couple of these, I didn't review them. And I had this initial thought, which was like, okay, I need to go in there and I need to review this and I need to make sure that the solution sort of makes sense. And like, I need to like use my wisdom and weigh in here and like make sure everything's okay. And I realized actually it is really good to let someone have that autonomy. So like if the broad goal is set and you let them figure out the details, that is awesome because they like learn to do it. (laughs) So like the way that I get this responsibility slowly off my plate or sort of like level up the team and like diffuse some of this responsibility is like let people get good at making shaped pitches and so even if those projects don't go that well that's still okay that's still like we still made progress because we'll look back and we'll say like what didn't go well about this project like what about this shaped pitch wasn't clear what about these choices weren't good and then that person that did that shaped pitch is leveling up like they're Mm -hmm. getting better yeah and so their next one will be better and if i come in and just prevent those errors from happening it feels like i'm doing a great thing for the business yeah like oh like my wisdom is saving us but i'm actually just kind of like preventing that person from having those learnings that like those failures or those difficulties that you need to have to actually learn how to do it yeah you have to let someone take the b minus cookies out of the oven before they can make b plus cookies the next time you know i think that makes sense i don't think i'm not good at that currently you, you don't feel good at that no i don't think i do yeah, that yeah. enough i like get kind of anxious about like if i know something could be better if i get involved i have a hard time like letting it not go as good as i think it could go and i think totally. i need to fix that because like you and i think like anyone you you want to be able to get more stuff off your plate like a classic thing like that for me at the company is writing i feel like i'm mm-hmm. the best writer at the company so when there's a blog post or an email or whatever 
I just want to have the final sort of pen to paper totally. on that and make sure that everything that comes out is good. I guess like what yeah. I worry about there, and maybe maybe you can tell me your input on this, is like if someone else writes something that doesn't turn out that great, how do they know that it wasn't that great? You know what I mean? To know mm-hmm. that they mm-hmm. should try and improve it in XYZ way the next time. If you don't get involved, like what would you do? Or do you just kind of hope that it's one of those things where it's just literally, they just need to do it a bunch of times and it's always just going to get better. Just like baking cookies or learning to play an instrument or something. It's more just about repetition than it is about necessarily having to receive feedback about ways that it could have been better. Yeah. I'm, I'm not totally sure about this specific example. I feel like writing is, I feel like writing is a tricky case because it's such a, mm, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how to solve this. (laughs) That's Okay. We're not perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know on that one. We're not perfect. So uh, sort of like one one last thought on this, the delegation thing. So like, this is great because you want people to get the reps in to learn the skill. But also, people can surprise you with how good they are at a thing. Yeah. If you give them the chance to do it. So initially, when I started planning the cycle, I didn't ask the company, like the people at the company, like what they thought we should do. I was just like, well, it's on me to decide what we do. And I sort of like on a whim or like just like just, i was like oh i should ask i should see what the team wants to do and so i asked, sent an email i said i asked you like what are your top three suggestions and when i got the results back i was like if we just did what the team thought we should do we would have a great cycle yeah. like all, none of these suggestions were bad most of them were quite good and like some of them would be different were, were different than what i would have chosen but it was like fine interesting and so that was also just kind of like a surprise for me. It was like, oh, maybe I'm not as essential in this particular process as I thought it was. Yeah. And so it was like a great like affirmation. It was like a, it was nice to discover like, oh, the team is solid. The team is also talking to customers and also has an idea of what we should do next. And they're good. And yeah, I still want to apply my influence on this. And I do think it's good to have sort of one mind kind of helping to narrow these things down and, and make difficult choices and set priorities. But I was surprised to find out that I was like not as essential to this process and i didn't have this like super magic touch that no one else could possibly replicate that's good all right oh where do you want to go next here is it my turn i want want to hear about your to-do list hack okay so this is a small short one but it has been something that has made me a happier person in the last few months which is to stop treating your to-do list as just a place where you capture chores and really go out of your way to put one thing on there every day that you're excited to do. Because, yeah, that's what I was doing in the past is I was just using it to remember things that I had to do that I didn't really want to do, and it's just like slogging through it. And what ended up happening a lot of time is I'd have days where I, I only did that stuff or I basically did nothing because I was procrastinating on doing that stuff and... I didn't make a decision about something interesting to work on. So this rule has been really helpful for me because like sometimes it's it's not obvious to me what something fun and rewarding to work on would be. And it takes like sitting there for a minute and thinking through some ideas and trying to find something that's like, you know what, if I just like broke the ice on that little project there, I think I would really get into flow there and really enjoy that and really come away from the end of the day feeling like, man, that was a fun, good day. So I've been doing that a lot more lately. And sometimes I slip up and and don't do it. And those days suck. But the days that I do Mm. that and just pick something and force myself to start on it, way better than the other days. So make sure that there's something on your to-do list every day that's going to be like the highlight of the day. 
it, it makes perfect sense that if if your to do list is full of stuff you hate, you like you're not going to want to even open the app. Mm-hmm. I think this is the, the state I've gotten into. Like for me, it is like a dumping ground, and I don't do the, like the coming back in and cleaning it up and shit and like moving into like nice projects and then and also making sure some of them are fun make sure you have a good day you know what i mean like you it's, totally. you have a choice there choose to have a fun day you know <laughs> oh my god yeah this this occurred to me recently I was like i opened up my calendar to actually to schedule this podcast which is which i was excited to do and i was like oh i definitely want to record, record this podcast with adam this is gonna be fun and i opened up my calendar and i was like i have like 16 meetings this week where am i gonna put this podcast and then i was like this sucks i wish it weren't like this and then i was like wait a minute this is my fault. I control this calendar. <laughs> I did this. And I canceled like 14 of the meetings. Mm-hmm. And I reached out to the team and was like, hey, I want to try an experiment for the next month of just having no recurring meetings. So I'm going to cancel all my recurring things. Anybody have any concerns? And they were like close to none. And so I just did it. Um, did you and, see uh, they just did that at Shopify too? Like a big yeah, yeah, yeah. I was probably like loosely inspired by, yeah. by that in the back of my head. It, it didn't. I, I forgot that I had seen that. But yeah, so credit to Shopify, I guess. It feels great. I can't believe how much better this week has been than the, the week before, just yeah. by like deleting a bunch of these meetings. And yeah, sometimes I'm, I'm you just so need to declare bankruptcy, you know, start over yeah. and see what's actually important, and also declare agency. Big like, time. be like, I'm in charge of this calendar. Like, mm-hmm. I ref- especially me. It was kind of funny. It was like I can't even blame this on a boss or like a process I can't change. Hmm. Like, it's just like, oh, I I did this. Let me yeah. let me not let me undo this. Yep. And it, it feels awesome. Cool. I've been trying to be more honest about how I feel about calendar, like an event on my calendar when I look at it. And oh, be like, because yeah. I, cause I get this gut feeling, you know, when I look at a thing and it's like, oh, I have this call at two o'clock. Am I excited about this call? And, and if not, I try to just cancel it now. I'm just like trying to like just, just nuke anything that gives me that, that <sighs> yeah. bad feeling. That's like almost everything on every calendar, I think, though. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, that's, There's some, that's good to recognize that and just not put stuff on your calendar. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's some things that I, I won't do that. Like there's things I'm not that excited about, but are really important to do. Fine. I'll do those. Sure. But for the most part, there are a lot of them are, turns out are optional. Yeah. So that has felt awesome. Yeah. I, I saw Jason Freed talking about something a while ago where he was like, doesn't put anything on his calendar. That's like far in the future, basically ever, which I definitely agree with. Like someone invites me to a conference. I, I basically can't accept it at this point because it's just like, I just know that when the time comes, I'm going to be like, fuck, I have all, all this other stuff that I would rather be doing right now. Yeah. You know, yeah. like going somewhere and doing something like that, that's fun. But all the work that goes into preparing it and stuff like that. But I think he said something like he only really like knows what he is okay with doing for like the next like 24 hours, if that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if you're like, if you get into a debate with someone on Twitter and they want to do a podcast with you about it, I think I saw him say something like, do you want to record it right now? If we record it right now, I'll do it, you know, but I don't want to schedule this for next week, you know, (laughs) but right now, if you want to jump on a call, like literally right now and record it, let's go. A future calendar event is like a promise. It's like a debt that future you has to pay. Yeah. You're stealing from future you. Yeah. yeah. And it, it doesn't feel like it really because it's far away. Like it's in the future. You're like, oh, that's, you know, that's a problem for later. That's a problem for future you. But like you are future you. Yeah. Yeah. And so like there's this thing where it's like, oh, I sometimes notice that I'll, I'll be like, someone will ask me to do a thing. And I'll be like, I don't know if I want to do this thing. And they'll be like, oh, it's two months from now. And I'm like, oh, well, two months from now. That's like so far away. Dude, and I notice that it, it, it affects my perception of the thing and it makes me more likely to agree to it, uh-huh. which is 
totally just you a need brain just bug. like a rule that's I, I don't schedule anything that's further out than like a week so it feels like a little bit more so you can get a better gut feeling yeah. for it i don't yeah. know kind of related to this i don't have this in my list but i think mm-hmm. this is kind of fun to think about and it's something i've been thinking about a little bit lately in the spirit of like don't like make promises that like future you has to pay for the opposite is actually amazing when you do things today that is like doing future you a favor totally i wish i could think of like some concrete examples of this the one that the one that comes to mind is something i've been thinking about lately we could do like a a whole podcast on this i think we plan to do it one time but you know i lost like 70 pounds this year basically and Mm. there's all these like kind of habit changes and stuff that's that's helped me do that one of the things that's helped me a lot is if i'm if i'm gonna have like an indulgent meal i think what a lot of people do is they'll like eat like shit and then they'll be like oh, okay i'm gonna have a really light day tomorrow to make up for it you know so you kind of go mm. into like diet debt and yep. you make future you suffer to sort of make up for the fact that you binge ate or like had this went out for some big meal but if you just like eat light the day before and eat light that day before going out for some big dinner like you've put money in the bank that you can spend on that meal Mm. instead of like Mm -hmm. going into diet debt you know so the next day you don't have to think oh i need to have a light day because i overrated dinner it's like no i made sure there was room for that before i did it i like put in the work before you know it's like buying something with savings instead of buying something with a credit card so i don't know there's lots of things like that that you can do i think that'd be maybe interesting to think through one day but just that mentality of like what favor can i do for future adam today um, yeah it's a good thing i to mean think so, about. so topically this podcast on saturday a week ago i got up and i had like the morning free and a lot of the times if i have that like a morning free i'll just like i'll just chill like maybe read some twitter hang out just like do like not nothing productive uh-huh. but i just I, I paused for like one second and asked myself like okay I have this block of time like what's something good i could do for future me and the answer was sketch out this podcast in a google doc <laughs> and like send it to you and I did, and I said it over, and I feel like that's a big part of the reason we're recording right now is because I asked myself that question for like one totally. second. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was awesome. It, it felt amazing. It felt great. There you go. Do future you favors. Uh, what do we got? What's another one here? Okay, this is a quick one. Most of the time, you can just decide something right away and have it be fine. What's I have totally had this habit of some people will send me an email or a message or whatever, and they'll be like, "Hey, is it okay if we do this, or should we do A or B?" And I'll think, oh, this is a decision. I should I should make sure to make some time to like really think through this decision and like make a good call or like and get some re- do some research or whatever. And what I often find that what that actually means in practice is like I just procrastinate on doing that. Mm-hmm. I let it sit for a while. It inconveniences people. And then when I come back to it, I don't actually spend that much time thinking through it. Yeah. And just like make a call. And it's like nothing is gained basically. It's, and it causes guilt. I, I feel bad. And so I've been trying to like lean more into like if it's it just like making the decision faster yep. and just like making a call and moving on and assuming like this is going to like work better over. over I time. think that and makes it, sense. And it, yeah, yeah. I think most of the time decisions are reversible anyways. Right. So that, that's the thing. Yeah. Right. If, 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 if someone presents you with a decision that's irreversible, don't, don't just decide probably. Mm-hmm. But I feel like those are actually really rare. It's very uncommon for something like that to come up. Yeah. yeah. So it reminds me default, of that like getting things yeah. done, like two minute rule or whatever. If someone gives you like a to do and it can be done in two minutes or less, like do it immediately. Yeah. yeah it's not, it's not worth tracking it or coming back to it. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a, a close cousin of that. I would say. 
Nice. I like that. And if your calendar is open because you've deleted a bunch of meetings and a thing comes in, you have the like two or three minutes to think about it right there. Yeah. Honestly, two or three minutes is a lot of time. Like if you just sit there thinking about a question and what the right decision to make is for literally 180 seconds, you can get a lot of thinking done in that time. I also find that almost never do I change my mind away from whatever my first initial gut reaction was. Yeah, totally. It does happen sometimes, sometimes, but a lot of the time, maybe 80% of the time, 90% of the time, like whatever I first thought when I had the question, that's what I I end up answering. Mm -hmm. Yep. I think that makes sense. It barely tangentially related, but the coach I've been working with is trying to get me to like meditate more. And the trick that Mm -hmm. she gave me was, I find meditation like extremely hard, which I think a lot of people do too. But the way I'm trying to do it is by like taking a song that I like and just listening to that song very attentively and like paying attention to everything Mm. that's happening and trying not to like let my mind get distracted by other things. And that feels like it takes forever. And songs are like three or four minutes long, you know? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I like that. Three or four minutes is, is more time than you think. Cool. I have one more. Do you have, do you have anything else? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a couple more so we can, uh, what do do you want to do next? Do your POC thing. Um, so kind of related to the shape up stuff that we were talking about earlier and also kind of like the resource allocation stuff. And a lot of time we have projects that I know I want to do, but I don't have like figured out enough to put into the plan and for us to actually work on. And I know we need to spend time tinkering with them and learning more about them and finding where like the challenges are and learning some technology that we have to integrate with or whatever. And it's just like, I I can't put this in the plan. I can't commit to getting this done by a certain day because I don't even know what what I need us to do. All I know is we need to like explore it and research it. And for a long time, that type of work, I struggled to figure out how to like capture it and put it into the plan and make sure that it got done. Because it's hard to know like what done even means for something that's really just like research and exploration. But what I started doing a few months ago that has totally changed the game for me there is to stop framing all these things as like research projects and explicitly framing them as building a proof of concept, which is like such a a little hack because a proof of concept can be like anything. It can do as much or as little as as you want, but something about calling it a proof of concept, I think really helps me at least and the people that I work with see it as like, I need to be able to demo something. I need to be able to prove that I can wire this up to this and this will happen. And there's going to be some things that probably don't work. I don't know what those things are even going to be yet, but I'm going to learn all the things that I wanted to learn by building a proof of concept. And the nice thing about proof of concept is it still kind of means anything. It doesn't mean it has to do everything, but it's going to like do something and making something that does something is like the right path to find out the things that are going to be hard, the things that are possible, the things that are not possible. And we can definitely put a two week project in the calendar. That's like build a proof of concept of this feature that we can't ship to people, but is scoped to two weeks. And at the end of it, we're going to know so much more. And now we can like schedule properly for the next cycle. And something that's actually happened here occasionally is working on the proof of concept ends up creating a production ready deliverable. And then the thing is just Mm. kind of done. (laughs) Amazing. Whereas research would never do that, right? No, it would never do that. Yeah. So that's been like really good. So, So now a lot of the time in our cycles, we have these little 
projects that are like build a proof of concept of rewriting Tailwind's template parser in Rust using Nappy RS. And that's something that's still definitely in the proof of concept stage, but it like kind of works now, you know? And now in the next cycle, we can actually commit to doing it for real and putting it out and giving it to customers. I love what a small change this is and like how obvious it is to me intuitively that this would have good results. Like moving from like spend two weeks researching rewriting the template engine versus you have two weeks to make a proof of concept, like prove something. Yes, you know, like, yes, yes. It's just like yes. so clear that it draws like a box around it and also says like this has to work in some way, like something needs to happen here. Like I, I, that's that's so good. And I also feel like it also unlocks people from a like a psychological standpoint where they're like, I'm not trying to like rewrite the template engine. I'm doing a proof of concept of rewriting the template engine. Therefore, I know that I should pick a narrow slice and like do lots of throwing out of ideas and like lots of shortcuts and cutting corners and not figuring things out. Like it just puts you in exactly the right mindset to like actually make concrete progress on a thing. It gives you all this permission for it to be like broken in all sorts of ways that don't really matter that much for like proving that it can even be done you know totally you might be shocked at how many repos are in the or have been in the tuple like github organization over time that are small constrained proofs of concepts proofs of concept this is just a poc around doing like a native ui this is just a poc around partial screen sharing it's pretty common to see our team like spin up a thing and like all it does is like a narrow slice of what our whole app does but it lets them explore and test and figure something out definitely super good stuff all right what else do we got all right so this is my this is my last one people bluff in enterprise sales deals okay i i I think i already knew this was true but now i really know it's true like more viscerally i would say our sales negotiation strategy lately like going into this year has been sort of I would describe it as kind of like, let's get the deal done. So like, if it looks like we're hitting an impasse or like they're pushing back really hard, like at the end of the day, it's software, it has great margins, like give them the discount they want or, you know, like bend on some point or something. Over the last couple months, we have been holding our ground more aggressively. And I explicitly told Steven who handles these sales deals, like you have my blessing to lose a sales deal by holding our ground and saying no to people on price or contract terms or whatever it is. And... We've now had a couple times where the procurement person will say like, we have to have this. And we go, understand that that's a requirement for you. Like totally, I totally get it. Unfortunately, we can't do that. You know, let me know if you change your mind and there's like some way we can move forward. And so far we've won hundred percent of those deals and they've come back Very and like, nice. like we literally had someone say the purchasing manager has had a change of heart and is willing to accept your new pricing. And this pricing was like, we have we had this customer on some bizarre grandfathered plan i probably agreed to it years ago you know when i was in my yeah, like just, yeah, get, yeah, just sure. get things closed and i was like they were paying like nothing and they were like hello we would like to renew it nothing and we were like no that's we're not doing this anymore you need to pay us like i mean it was a lot more the, the per unit cost was was huge huge jump and then we were just like no it, like it, it just cost this much and they walked and then like a couple days later they came back and like okay we'll do it never mind so people will just say like it's not i'm not gonna call it lying I'm gonna call it bluffing, which is just kind of like, yeah. you know, this, this is going to work. This is going to sink the deal. And we're like, all right. And they're like, all right, it's not really just kidding. Yeah. I think that makes sense. I think in general, it's important to not like be pushed around, you know, and, and remember that like, if something's important to you, it's important 
to you for a reason. And even if people weren't bluffing, like it is okay to lose deals on that stuff. We have customers all the time that like don't buy Tailwind UI because it doesn't do X, Y, Z thing or, or like, you know, people want to do like some enterprise sales process with us and we're not willing to do it and they don't buy it and whatever. That's okay to me. Yeah. So good advice for sure. You know, it's kind of stand your ground and most of the time you'll get your way anyways. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, and like there's a lot of context here, right? Like our company is profitable. We don't have to close any of these particular deals. Uh, the product is good. Like people want to buy it. It's this is so like, I, I don't know. This is universal advice to people, but all, at the same time, like if you've never lost one of these or like le- never like, kind of like quote unquote lost a negotiation or had someone kind of walk, you're not pushing it. And it's like today we, we have not either. Like we, we still haven't had a, a loss from this. So like maybe we need to like start asking for even more. This kind of makes me think of like another, I, I wouldn't necessarily say this is a lesson I learned in, in 2022, but it's something I believe and it's maybe something worth talking about that I think is, is related to this, which is I like believe really strongly that you should do things exactly the way you want to as much as you can afford to, you know? Mm -hmm. I like that. For us, this sort of shows up a lot of the time in like, there's a lot of opportunities that we could take that wouldn't be fun, even though they would make more money and we don't take them because we don't need that money, you know? Yeah. And I, I don't want to say that in like this like privileged way or, or whatever, you know what I mean? But it's like, it's important to to just kind of remember like, okay, a lot of people would love it if we've released templates for Tailwind UI in X templating language, you know, that we don't actually use. Yeah, maybe more people would buy it then, but then that's the less time we can spend doing stuff that we think is really fun. So we can afford to not do it. So my whole mentality around the way we run the company in general is absolutely perfect world. We wake up every day, do exactly what we want to do, put it on the internet for sale and enough people want exactly what we happened to want to make that they buy it and the business is sustainable. How could life ever be better than that? You know, where you're not even (laughs) doing things because customers are asking you to, you're doing things because you want to do it. And there's enough of an audience for it. Like the analogy I think of in my head is like, a band that just writes songs that they love and goes and books shows. And as long as enough people buy tickets and like those songs, like they're good. You know, they don't have to find out what songs people want them to write. You know, the hope is that you can write the music that you believe in and that enough people like it, that it'll make it all work, you know? And that's how I want to run the business. So it kind of reminds me of what you're saying there with like the, the enterprise sales stuff and just kind of not not doing stuff you don't want to do if you can afford to not do it. Totally. And the, the thing you say about like that beautiful way of being where you're getting to make what you want and like ha- like stand your ground and have values is a thing that I feel like, I guess it's the pull of money or something, but it feels like a thing you have to actively cling to. Yes. Because it feels easier in the early days in some ways like once you get past like sort of scraping and it's like, okay, the business is basically working. We don't have to close any of these deals necessarily to survive. It seems like you've like, oh, you've, you've got it. You now have that thing you want where like the business works, you're doing like, you're living your values. Everything's great. But then these like opportunities come along and like they have like, there's like these big enterprise contracts or like there's like an opportunity to make more money. And I guess it's just the pull of the money probably like that, that psychological effect of like, you just, yeah, sure. I want it. I, I guess I want more money. Why not? I don't know if it's quite the pull of the money. I, I think it's more like, 
you're assigning that money to like that choice and it's forcing you to like say like would you pay this much money for this choice you know what i mean Mm. and that's like where it gets hard i think if you know that you could do this and make an extra 250 grand a year and by not doing it you're not making that extra 250 grand a year you're basically saying like i would spend 250 grand to not do this and something about that sounds like insane a lot of the time (laughs) like especially when you think back to like before you had a successful business, like how much money that sounds like, like how narcissistic or entitled you have to be to believe that like not having to do this one thing, like in a lot of ways it starts to feel like in your head, like I'd pay 250 grand not to mow my own lawn. You know what I mean? Like it it has that sort of feeling to it, which is why I think it can be hard to feel like, how could this be worth it to not do that for, for that cost? If that makes, does does that make resonate at all with you? Like, yes, yes. I I get what you're saying. It just, it it feels like irrational to not do it. Not because like you want more money, but because it's just like, how is this worth that much? You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, and I also just think we're wired. Like, I don't think there's like a a trigger in your brain that goes off and is like, Oh, that's enough. That's cool. I don't want any more. Like, I think I just have like, there's always part of me that just kind of wants more. It is insatiable. And so sure. when it's like, oh, there's just more, there's more money or success or whatever on the, or Twitter followers or whatever it is like on the table, it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I would rather have more than not. Sure. Um, so you have to really have to kind of like fight against that thing. And so, yeah, so I think it feels to me like the loss of that happy state of being like, no, we're not going to do that because we have values that say we don't want to do that is actually feels like the natural thing. It feels unnatural to actually be in that place where you like turn down these opportunities and like, we'll mm-hmm. have to kind of be maintained against sort of an onslaught. And like the, the world wants you to do this too, right? Like these, like these customers are like, well, we want you to go and get an extra $5 million in personal liability insurance before we sign this contract with you, because that's what our lawyers have said that all of our vendors have to do. And so I want you to do yeah. this. And it's like, yeah, I know you want that, but like, I don't want to do this. And each one is just like on its own, maybe not that much, you know, but mm-hmm. every time you say yes to something that you don't really want to do, they yep. kind of pile up on top of each other until like I, I have this like mental model that I think about in our company a lot, which is that like if you think of like a company as like a circulatory system, like over time, mm. the arteries are just getting more and more clogged constantly. That's like the natural state is just like things building up and slowing things down and making it harder to get things done. And yeah. you, you have to like be way more aggressive than you would think about like keeping things flowing and like preventing cruft from building up and holding you back and, and slowing you down. Toby yeah. talks about this in interviews. I think it's like, it's a great insight. It's like one of the powers of like the founder or the CEO is to like kill projects. It never like quote makes sense to like kill something that's working. And so it's like a thing that's hard to do as like a non founder or, or CEO. And so he yeah. says that like, that's his, one of his important jobs. And I, I dig that. I think that's legit. Yeah. That's something that kind of related to that, that I, I feel like I'm pretty good at like not getting trapped by like sunk cost fallacy, you know, like that's mm, one area mm-hmm. where I, I really have like no attachment to anything that like we could spend six months on something and I'll just like throw it away one day if I don't think it deserves like another five minutes of time. Doesn't really matter how much time has been spent on it. I think that's an important thing to to build because otherwise like, yeah, I mean, it's a fallacy for a reason, right? So. Well, I think that's good. Is that the pod? I think I think it is. That was that was great. Awesome, man. I'm excited to get this out there. Cool, this man. has been fun. We should do more of these. Yeah, totally. And I feel like we kind of hit a groove too as we kept going. So 
um, I think Big time. we could record another one right now and it would probably be awesome. <laughs> anyway, cool. Good chat. And this was fun. Yeah, you too. Bye.